0: 94 7 kumu kokua because kumu cares
1: this is where we bring in hawaii's leaders and experts to talk about the issues that you care about especially during this covid 19 crisis and to answer your questions and we have for our uh weekly appearance Mm. here the lieutenant governor josh green he is on the phone this time because of his jammed up schedule but uh, we are so glad to have him good morning lieutenant governor
0: Good morning. I can't believe how fast these weeks go. It's like I was there four minutes ago. I know.
2: I know. And every time you come back, there's always more to talk about. Yep.
0: There is. Okay. I'm here for you guys. So uh, let's make sure we remind people this weekend. Really, please lay lay low. Don't freak out. Mm -hmm. Lay low. Love each other, but do not go out. Let's let's crush the COVID curve this weekend.
1: Yeah, especially with uh, Labor Day and people, you know, traditionally this would be a big party weekend. But you're saying don't this is not the time. Nope.
0: Well, this is not the time. And this is yeah. this is a unique opportunity for us to have learned our lessons because we had Fourth of July where we had very few cases and we started fires all across Oahu. Now we have large numbers of cases in the background. You know, there's over 6,000 active cases of COVID. Now all those individuals are smart enough, I'm sure, to stay at home. But there's another 10,000, 15,000 people that could very well have been exposed, could have asymptomatic disease. We cannot be out and having barbecues and picnics. We really have to commit ourselves to just, you know, hug your, your husband or wife, your kids, cook some hot dogs at home, eat junk food, watch movies, but <laughs> do not make the mistake of setting the forest fires of COVID for the next month. This has to be the time where we knock it down.
1: Yeah, got it. Got it. Are, are we going to indeed end lockdown at two weeks? Or you've been recommending going four weeks or longer, I think. Where are we on that? What can we look forward to?
0: Well, the last couple of days have been encouraging to me and I'm hopeful, hopeful, hopeful that we can get out of this with just two weeks maybe take just a half step back and allow people to go back out to parks and beaches and kind of in their own household cluster, which I don't think is a risk. But let's get through this weekend. The numbers were pretty good yesterday. Mm-hmm. The, the number has trended downward. We had 211 cases yesterday, and the positivity rate has been trending down, in part because we're doing the mass uh, surge testing, mm-hmm. and that shows a very low background rate of COVID. But that has to be factored in. I mean, that is relevant. The fact that just 0.7 or 0.8 percent of the people that are getting tests as asymptomatic individuals going to the H3 or wherever they're going te- for the test, that is significant that our overall rate is trending lower. And if we can get this thing down consistently under 5 percent, we're back in the kind of ball game. We're back in the list of states that are doing well. And then finally, we, I think, have learned, obviously, some of the main lessons. You can't have big gatherings. You can't be indoors in gatherings without social distancing and masks. And we have to have contact tracing and testing, which, you know, we're finally getting off our you-know-whats and getting that done.
2: Mm. Yeah. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about this contact tracing thing. What is happening?
0: Well, Dr. Roberson, I believe, will come back today. That had to get sorted out. You want some you want some honest talk, I'll give it to you. Look, it was it was a conflict. It was a conflict which happens between men and women. Uh, people of great of great capacity like Dr. Park, but she had not been committed to the contact tracing program the way it needed to be done. And, of course, we know that the director of health was changing out as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That commitment was necessary all along because it wasn't there, and she continued to cause trouble, continued to, to block the progress that had to be made, and that was evidenced by... When the senators went down there and saw that there were only 15 or so people on the project, we started up at the convention center, and there continued to be obstruction. Mm -hmm. And that had to change. That change culminated with Dr. Park moving on yesterday and taking a leave. I'll leave the details to her or the governor or whomever, but enough was enough. And we have to let Dr. Roberson and Danny Tomeyasu and soon uh, Dr. Libby Char, who is fantastic, we have to let them get this job done. We have to have over 400 contact tracers. We have to have thousands of extra tests, which you're starting to see. And I actually have a, a large piece in the, I believe it'll be in the advertiser this weekend, spelling out exactly the details of what have to get done. But I'll tell you, when we were seeing intentional obstruction of getting the contact tracing program up and running per what many of us were asking for, in fact thousands of us it seems it had to it had to force a change. And so that change occurred yesterday when Dr. Park uh, was uh, basically moved aside. I hope she finds an important role, whether here in the state on other projects here, she is an excellent uh, epidemiologist, but sometimes you have to have an emergency response. Mm -hmm. We weren't getting that from the past uh, Department of Health leadership adequately, and lives are on the line. There's no more time to wait.
2: Why? Yeah. Why would what? there be obstruction? I, I, yeah. I'm just—I'm kind of confused. Esme and I are looking at each other with this, like, "What? Yeah. What, why was? Why was? Why would there be obstruction? Yeah.
0: Because it was a massive ego problem, and unfortunately, it just would not subside. This—this this project, this crisis—is so large that there has to be everybody at their best game working on it. We can't all agree. There's no doubt about that. Every day, and that's—that's that's normal. But there cannot be obstruction of key work and constant second guessing, meddling, not letting go was what was happening with the previous Department of Health leadership. They were not I want to be very direct. They were not adequately informing the governor of the consequences of the circumstance. They were not explaining that we did have to have, as everyone knew, an army of public health workers on this problem, not 10, not 15. You need hundreds of people when you've Mm -hmm. got thousands of cases and and it ultimately gets reflected in what my other colleagues, my healthcare colleagues have to deal with, which is large numbers of hospitalizations. So there's, there's the usual political games that can be played when everything is fine and we're all chugging along on, on uh, tourism dollars and, and everybody's in love with the beach. But when people are dying of uh, infectious disease, that's sending them to the hospital and others are blocking projects. That's not okay by me. And that's what was happening that had to be changed. And I can tell you, we made, so many attempts to change it in a normal, peaceful, quiet way. And they were rebuffed by the previous leadership and that I'm sorry, but that's not what people can accept. People can accept a whole heck of a lot of bad government. It seems when days are good, but they can't accept dysfunctional government when people are going to the hospital and ambulances. I know there's some love for, for Dr. Park and there should be, she did a lot of great work over the years, but There were moments when she said directly to me that she herself will choose when to tell the director of health or the governor what she wants them to know. She said that straight to my face one time, and that gave me great pause because, though I have a high regard for her intellect and what she's done in many different cases, this is not the time for that. This is the time where you have to give everybody all the information so we can really quickly react. People in the Department of Health were standing on their um, ego, their historic. Uh, credentials and just whatever they believe was right instead of working with others. And that was very destructive. Mm. I hope that we know that we can't do that when you've got 6,300 people with active COVID in hospitals, which are basically full. Although I do have some good information that we'll share today. The numbers are coming down a little bit, but we're right at the edge here. And so there's no time for games.
1: Moving forward, what do you say needs to happen now over at DOH?
0: Okay, a couple things. DOH slash in society. Okay. And I'll mix them so you can get the full picture. We have to have an absolute mask mandate through the rest of the year. We have to all be wearing masks until we have gotten into the clear with Mm. some significant immunity, whether it's through a vaccination, herd immunity, or what have you. So we have to have that be absolutely clear. That's point number one. Point number two, we have to have 500 contact tracers, period, on the job, full-time, that can respond to the many, many public health challenges that exist. We have to have those contact tracers fully activated. We're putting together some volunteer corps people as well. So if people want to volunteer as contact tracers, we're now going to make that available. And I'll give you an email if you're interested. It's covidhawaiivolunteer at gmail.com. Volunteer at gmail.com. Okay. We'll get people trained up and we'll do a lot of support of DOH. We've got a ballroom assigned for that as well. Now, in addition to those 500 tracers, we have to get to about 10,000 tests. One of the things that the surge testing showed exactly how much pent-up need and desire there is for people to get reassurance that they are not walking around as asymptomatic COVID uh, carriers. Mm -hmm. That helps because by knowing what our background rate is and knowing that we are hopefully not spreading the disease, we know what we can do in society and what we can't do. So that's good, and I will be recommending six or eight walk-in sites I hope that I can get the governor's buy in on that, because if we have that, we can also knock this virus down more efficiently.
1: Um, Sir, lots of people are just asking why surge testing is important, because so many people who are well are going to get the test just for reassurance. And they're saying, does that really tell us? Um, you know they don't understand the science why it's important to do that even when so many people are well. Also, a lot of people are asking about whether the self test, which only I guess goes only halfway up the nose. Uh, that certainly that was the direction that I got when I went to do it last week. Um, is yeah. that as effective as a pharyngeal test that's, you know given to you by a trained healthcare worker? Um, is it as accurate?
0: Uh, that testing does have some value because we were in a place over 10% positivity rate. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a rate that high, it's very good to get a reset of the background, see where you have pockets of disease, essentially map out the virus. And so it will have significant value from a data standpoint. And is there a better way to use those tests? Of course there is. A better way would have been to focus 90,000 tests on first responders on those individuals that are caring for patients in long-term care facilities so they don't go to work if they're Mm -hmm. positive, to to focus those tests on the Pacific Islander community. Now, some of that is happening. Some of the significant bunches of tests are being focused directly into those communities, and that will be more on the tail end of this surge, because there was a real big pent-up demand to do surge testing for a lot of people. Would I have used these tests differently? Of course I would, but I still think it's valuable that they did it. And I appreciate the mayor for doing it, and the firefighters obviously for their commitment. They're terrific. Now, the swab of the nose. This has been a controversy that's gone on across the country, but it does appear clear now that if you do what they're doing, which is a lot of uh, swabs on both nostrils, you do because it's in the it's in the upper respiratory membrane. Mm-hmm. You can get adequate. Accurate testing. In fact, even the saliva test, which they're still refining, works. It won't be as perfect as the nasopharyngeal test, that's the uh, reverse transcriptase PCR, the Mm -hmm. RT PCR test. You're talking about the the gold standard test, but it's good enough to get some other tests if they have 90 or 93% sensitivity because what it does is it calls down the numbers. It gives us a lot of overlapping reassurance and rechecks on people that are tested. And then if you test positive and you want to get the gold standard, it's very easy from a very small group. We've mm-hmm. been seeing about, it's like maybe 0. 0.7 to 1% of all the people that are testing at the surge testing site, so pretty low. We will probably only get about 800 positives from all that testing, but it will tell us where we were in Hawaii in the first week of September as we see the effects of the stay-at-home order, mm-hmm. as we see what we really do when we have like, say, 15,000 tests to be targeted. And so I am appreciative that they did it. We could have not been in this situation, of course, if we had kept our cases down at 20 or 30 a day. But when you're facing 250 to 300 a day, which is where we were when this started, you know, I think people realize this is time to, to, to throw everything, including the kitchen sink, at this, at this coronavirus. This is a positive thing that has happened to get this testing done. You guys know I have a beef with the mayor on a lot of stuff he does, and I'm glad he did this.
3: Mm. And I'm
0: uh, I'm glad that people were able to step into this and go and accept tests. And I'm glad that people understood that if there was a long wait, it was still okay. Because I know it's cliche to say we're all in this together, but look, we are. If you're a millennial out there, well, if you get sick with a team of 15 friends, you each will spread that disease to some other loved ones in the next generation. Those people may very well be working at the nursing home. Those people may very well be at the veterans facility and where there could be fatalities when people get sick in Hilo or we could affect our kupuna. So we actually are connected.
1: Are you worried that people might misunderstand a negative test. In other words, they might look at the test and go, oh, I'm negative. OK, I'm good. OK, I can walk around and do whatever. And I mean, conceivably, they could be infected after they take the test. Also, the, the virus is mutating as well, right? We're reading about that.
0: If you get tested negative, this is just a point in time. This is one point in time where you were negative, And that is a good thing. But you absolutely must still wear a mask because six minutes after the test, if you don't Take good precautions. You could catch it from someone who happens to be positive. Mm. It's a point in time and a point in time only, but it's a good point in time. And you should be pleased that you're not affected by COVID because it can kill you. Now, most of the time, COVID is affecting in the worst ways people of chronic disease who are sick, who are elderly, but it can affect any of us. And I had a 51-year-old dear friend who died. I had no illness whatsoever. So let's Mm -hmm. be real, guys. It's a moment in time, but it's a good thing to get the test. And then it should reestablish the fact that we all have to be responsible as we're going through Labor Day weekend and into what will ultimately be, hopefully, the final couple months before we begin. We begin to see vaccines approach society.
2: Hey, I wanted to follow up on something that we've been seeing a lot this week, which is the CDC coming out with the uh, the number that 6% of people, right? Six percent of people are dying from COVID specifically, uh, which yes. means everybody's going, well, 94 percent of the people are dying from other things, which is not exactly the story. So could you clarify that for people, please?
0: Yeah, that's an unfortunate misdirection from the CDC. And I, I don't really know why they did that other than possible politics. But here's the deal. If you have heart disease and you are chugging along just fine and then you get you get COVID and land in the hospital and you die, you died from COVID. If you've got hypertension and you're in the hospital and, and you're getting treated, normally you live. And if you get hit with COVID, you die. You died from COVID. If you're at home and you've got COPD, lung disease from lots of smoking or other challenges and you get hit with COVID and end up in the hospital and you pass away, COVID killed you. It's not at all reasonable or sensible to say, that, no you died of copd that person wasn't in the hospital the person who you know gets covid and also has a heart attack they were probably doing just fine until covid overwhelmed their immune system mm. so that's an unfortunate misdirection the truth is 60% of all americans are walking around with some chronic disease or another and because of that it's this is the circumstance that people with with COVID are being diagnosed and described as having passed away with COVID. It's really just a philosophy on the other side that wants us to ignore this disease and move on. Look, COVID has, it's affected over 26 million people worldwide and almost 900,000 deaths now. This is a gigantic human crisis. And obviously the U.S. is about a fourth of that, 6.2 million cases and 186,000 deaths. So, I just can't accept it when people say it's not a big deal.
1: A lot of people are talking about the risk of the vaccine getting rushed at the risk of like safety, efficacy because of the pressure to get something approved before the presidential election. Are you concerned about that?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a real serious problem. I mean, anything that you call Operation Warp Speed, this is not Star Trek. This is (laughs) a COVID crisis. This is a pandemic of an infection. Now, if we do get there more quickly, I'm willing to accept that extra resources have been placed on the problem, and I appreciate that. I think that's very cool. But they still have to, first of all, get enough time and people in the studies to know whether it works. One of the challenges with a vaccine and why they normally take a lot longer than four or six months is you not only have to make sure that they are safe and won't kill you, the vaccine itself, which it shouldn't. I mean, these things are pretty safe. But you also have to see over a period of time whether it caused side effects and over a period of time whether it actually stopped you from getting the virus. So you need to know over three, six months that you got antibodies and that cohort of people that took the took the vaccination, the immunization, did not actually test positive for the virus.
3: Mm-hmm. So
0: we will probably get this experience. They will rush the thing. It will very likely still be safe, although I'm not going to vouch for it until I see for myself. And then... We will spend two or three months to see whether or not it's effective. A lot of people are going to stay on the sidelines. Uh, So as it starts in November, which I expect they're going to start it, you'll see the results over November, December, January. And what I would expect is that you will see a lot of people in February, once they know which of the vaccines is best, taking that one.
1: Okay, Lieutenant Governor. All right. So, uh, again, our speed round. Lieutenant Governor is going to be answering our Kumu listeners questions. Go ahead, LG.
0: Okay, here we go. Speed round. Reach asks, as far as search testing, do you need to or not need to quarantine uh, when you're waiting for your results? You do not need to unless you're symptomatic. Nani asks, do you believe we'll start receiving accurate reporting from the DOH from retirement, after retirement of Anderson and, and leave that the park? We'll get uh, the same data, but we will be able to be more uh, collaborative in every way, and I will give you every piece of raw data you need. Liz writes, what's your opinion of vaccines? First ones, foreign ones, who gets one? Vaccines, I think, are going to be very effective for us in time. I think the first one is likely going to either be the Oxford vaccine or the one that's coming out of Pfizer. Mm. To Make sure that it actually is safe. I do trust foreign vaccines as long as we are able to have our scientists also vetting them. Who gets them? Highest risk people should get them first. Should seniors be first? Seniors actually should be among the first category of people because they're most vulnerable is it dangerous to try the, to be the first to try one? It's a little uh, yes, a little less predictable, and that's why sometimes we have a younger cohort try them at first. Cynthia asks, why would uh, when lifting the restrictions, why would hiking trails and parks be suggested to open first? People gather to do these things. Well, if we keep people separated, it's okay, and people tend to only be in their family cohort or their home cohort when we do it. There's also lots of pre-COVID pictures of people commenting that large crowds are bad, that is definitely true. Some businesses should open if they can do it safely, you bet. Someone asked, uh, will Ige and Caldwell need to make a good example and keep their masks on during press conferences? As long as they're six feet away, they probably should be allowed to communicate, but sometimes what Ige and Caldwell say isn't worth communicating, so I don't really know how to answer that question better than that. (laughs) What's the status on travel bubble with Uh, Japan? I know there there are cases uh, and surges and concerns there. We still want the travel bubble. That was an excellent idea from the GOV. I appreciate that one. Bonnie so on the ask, so the military numbers, including our state numbers, they are not always included. I would prefer that. The military does keep somewhat separate, and they are adhering, best of my knowledge, uh, to the quarantine rules. I've asked several times, and I, I do I do respect them, but it's sometimes a problem. They're moving here for their lives. They have to follow our rules. Liz asks, how many mass units do we have available if we need them? We have 150 beds worth, uh, about a third of those are for Oahu, the other two-thirds for the neighbor islands. We would need to staff them, but 150 beds could be put into place right away. Gabrielle writes, "Is the surge testing being funded by the state with CARES money of the federal government. The tests are free. CARES money is paying for the management around them with staff. Again, sometimes it's wasteful, but I do appreciate people diving in. Finally, Carol Ann writes, when the lockdown is lifted, how is the government going to control large gatherings? Isn't it true after the first lockdown, there was no control? That we are going to have to absolutely um, bust up any gatherings, in my opinion, more than five people for the first couple of weeks. We cannot have any large gatherings, and we have to all be responsible and honor that. How's that?
1: Ooh, Ooh. I'm sweating. There you go. Just listening to all that. There you that. go shifting ever so slightly still related to COVID-19. But I wanted to talk about this uh, report talking about the CARES money uh, that has been allocated to Hawaii and apparently only a small portion of it has actually been spent so far. Uh, We're talking about a half billion dollars, only about 6% of it. But that remains about $560 million remaining unallocated reportedly. Um, And we only have a limited time to spend it. Can you kind of shed some light on why it's happening this way and what are the plans? for that money?
0: Yes, a ton of money is going to get pushed into our unemployment insurance, basically unemployment, And and for the last three months. uh, The Gov's going to spend at least $320 million, it looks like, on services like that, unemployment, the plus-up. We're going to spend a couple hundred million dollars on the plus-up, which the federal government is giving us $3 for every $1 that we get Mm -hmm. uh, for, I believe it's now going to be five weeks. And that money adds up really quickly. We're over $3 billion out right now in unemployment. Uh, in monies that have come and gone from the federal uh, side. So needless to say, we're spending a lot of money, but we have to spend every last penny. We also are beefing up our our capacity to do testing. We're going to spend some significant resources there through the Airports Division. Obviously, the contact tracing effort needs to spend money. With 500 people working day in and day out, you can imagine we'll spend some resources that way. And then finally bringing on up to 300 nurses, for which we get a lot of federal reimbursement. Sounds like more of the speed round, actually. We'll get a lot of extra <laughs> dollars spent. But mm-hmm. I want every last dollar spent. You'll also see in my op-ed, I call for micro grants to businesses. I didn't, I didn't give this detail because I thought of it after submitting my, my opinion piece. But mm. I think we should do $5,000, 10000 and 25000 uh, grants to small businesses monthly to see that they cover their overhead if they're forced to be uh, shuttered while the mayor has us in a, in a uh, locked, lockdown stay-at-home order that's where the money will be spent. Uh, I don't want to spend it by committee. I don't want to do special funds or put money in in different hideaway places like was recommended here and there. I want to just get that money out to people during this crisis. But let's spend all those pennies down to to the 31st of December so that we can kind of get out of this with our shirt on. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to see any more businesses closed. In fact, I'd like to see some of them open up again once they get some funds.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lieutenant Governor, in in terms of getting those funds, what programs are being put in place? I mean, are we are we looking at some stuff? Because, you know, we have, well, everybody has a friend who has a small business, and they're all going, how do I do this? How do I pay my mortgage, uh, my, my lease rent?
0: The, the city does have a, print, a program already in place, and I believe they earmarked $25 million, but they'd only maybe been able to disperse about 10% of that. That is something where definitely they should reach out to the – this is for Oahu anyway mm-hmm. – to the city and county of, of uh, um, Honolulu and find out how they apply for that because there will be monies from unemployment. We've, we've handled all but I think the last 11,000 individuals that had conflicts in their applications, and they're trying to sort through that for people. But for people who have ran businesses and who are temporarily closed, this is a good and reasonable time to help them with their overhead.
2: Lieutenant Governor, just a real quick question. Uh, How do I get better information about the COVID thing? Because it seems everywhere you turn, uh, the CDC is putting out stuff and then they're retracting stuff. And then they're putting, so where can they go? Where can the public go to get information that that you feel is correct?
0: They can get it right this moment. There's not that much information that you need. A lot of the other stuff is background noise. Everyone (laughs) wear a mask. Everyone wear a mask. Do not go outside of your house without a mask on, period. Everybody physically distance, six feet. That's critical. Absolutely necessary. If you do that, you're fine. And then from there, you can get basic health stuff from our website at the Department of Health. Actually, it's quite a good website. It doesn't change very much. You can get the health advice there. Since
1: we're talking about data, the cumulative total is about 9,600 cases so far since the pandemic began. Um, There's reference to 6,000 plus active cases. What does that mean? How do we know that those who are actively infected are not going about infecting others?
0: We have 6,345 active cases. That is the number of people that have not yet been cleared and recovered from covid. That means that some of these individuals right now about 10% of them are going into the hospital. About 600 people will be in the hospital over the next 3 to 4 weeks. Wow. This is people that have been diagnosed in the last 17 or so days because after 14 to 17 days, if you're no longer asymptomatic and your test was 14 days ago, you are cleared. You get cleared from it. We contact people, we find out whether they're still, still symptomatic. If they're not symptomatic, then they're good. So that is the deal. Now, having said that, it's not clear that we contact trace every one of them. In fact, I'm sure about half of those people did not get contacted or traced adequately because the previous leadership at the Department of Health just didn't have it together uh, in numbers that were sufficient to contact trace and touch all these people. What we should do is we must, in fact, do is have some technology applied. There's no reason we shouldn't be using advanced apps to to trace and track people to a degree. We still need to talk to to them, call them, and so on. Mm -hmm. But every one of those individuals has been instructed or knows from their test that they have to stay home and isolate for 14 days. It's honor system. Basically, because it is society. And Mm -hmm. we're not going to put lojacks on people because they've got a disease. Sure. Unfortunately, if we do find someone that is flouting the rules, and this does occasionally happen, the director of health does have the legal right to put someone into forced quarantine. We haven't had to do that, and it became impossible, of course, to have 6,000 people in forced quarantine. I will say this, everyone. If you're listening, you know, please, I'm, I'm imploring you, as your kind of lieutenant governor doctor, if you're feeling sick, stay at home. If you need to get a test and you haven't been able to get one, we'll find you one. You do not want to be out there sick with a virus of any kind right now because it will get confused with this other pandemic crisis we're dealing with. And if you do have virus symptoms like shortness of breath, cough, fever, this is the most likely virus you have, COVID, and you'll probably be fine. But once again, we don't want you spreading it to someone who won't be fine if they catch it. And mm-hmm. so that's why it's really important that these 6,345 people are, are staying home for two weeks. Yeah. And if you are close contact of one of them, You also want to stay home if if you can and work from home because we'd like family units to not spread it out either.
1: And then also the question about flu shots. Why is that important?
0: Well, it's important to get a flu shot because you can get extra protection from flu. And then you won't be confused in your own mind as to whether or not you're fighting off flu or COVID. Mm. We usually have a later flu season, just so people know. So you have a little time. But if you have the opportunity to get it, go get your flu shot. I'm going to take mine early. What do I advise people? I know it sounds cliche, but please let me just say this. Everyone, please do not freak out. We are turning the corner on COVID. I see the signs of that. Stay home with your honey, your, your boyfriend or husband or girlfriend or wife or whomever you're with. Stay home. Cook a little. Hug them. Have a quiet weekend over Labor Day. Spend the best you can if you don't have to be at work as a doctor or a nurse. And again, don't freak out because we've done better than almost every other part of the country. Our mortality rate is low compared to the country. Our fatalities, while heartbreaking, have been very low compared to everywhere else except for like Wyoming, where they have very little activity. Please know that help is completely here. Our hospitals are hanging tight and tough, and we're going to be able to care for people. But we have to get these numbers down because we're right at the threshold of overwhelming our system. And that would be the worst thing that could happen to
3: us. Mm.
0: That's the best I can do for us on, on radio for advice. And wear your mask if you're out. Thanks, Senator
2: You Okay. You Thank bet. you very much. Hey, uh, just one real quick thing, and I'm sorry, but I, I know I harp on this every single time you're on with us, but I want to repeat this as many times as possible so that people understand. Yeah. How is this not like the flu? And why are people focusing on deaths and they shouldn't be?
0: You bet. Okay, Let me let me be very direct. This is not like the flu for a couple reasons. One, the flu is much less lethal. Coronavirus is much more lethal. Also, very clear, the flu behaves in a seasonal, regional pattern that's limited by existing levels of immunity that people already have to flu virus. So I'll say it again. The flu is seasonal, and it's got a regional pattern which we can predict, and we already have some immunity. Mm -hmm. COVID does not behave like the flu. Statistically, it's killing people at a higher rate, spreading across the whole country, it's through every season, and it's a new virus that none of us have immunity to. So when it rolls over us and gets into a nursing home or gets into our kupuna, we're going to see very high mortality rates, much higher than the flu. So I think that that is the large distinction. Please be careful, everyone. I care deeply about you guys, and I don't want to see us into October, into November, Still facing the prospect of more lockdowns because I know how hard that is on families, both socially, economically, and even spiritually. It's very hard to not be with our dear friends. So, birthdays come and go, anniversaries come and go, and we're missing some of those. And I know that that's hard. I want to beat this thing soon so that we don't have to keep facing that.
3: All right.
1: There you go. And uh, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green, thank you thank so you, thank you. much. We really appreciate it. We My know pleasure. you're super busy. And, uh, and I, I know I speak for our listeners uh, in saying that we really appreciate you keeping us up to date on what's going on.
0: You bet. Hang tough, guys.